everybody, welcome to another Prestige podcast uh, where we perhaps are stretching the definition of prestige. Uh, I don't think so. I think this is a prestigious uh, action film anyway. The Bourne Identity. This is a 2002 movie directed by Doug Lehman, uh, who you might recognize as director of Swingers, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Jumper, Edge of Tomorrow. American Made. He's the son of a bitch that made us watch American Made. We got all hyped up for Tom Cruise and and uh, Mr. Born Identity, and it turns out that was just a very aggressively average flick. But but he's he's made a couple good action movies, as you can see here. Um, after this, Paul Greengrass took over uh, and helmed the rest of the the Born uh, trilogy. It's based on a screenplay written by Tony Gilroy, who you might recognize as the screenwriter of Rogue One, Devil's Advocate, literally every Jason Bourne film. He also wrote and directed Michael Clayton uh, and William Blake Heron, who I don't even know why he's credited for this. Like he's only got one other movie credit. Uh, he's credit credited as the co-writer. So I guess he did some stuff here. But yeah, he came whatever. in and did uh, some rewrites for it. Mm, yeah, because the studio was like lots of this is a I had no idea. This is such a troubled film making process that there's so much butting heads. So we'll, we'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah. It's based on the Bourne identity by one Robert Ludlum. If you're a Tom Clancy fan, you know absolutely who the fuck Robert Ludlum is. If you were a kid growing up in the 80s or 90s, like books, uh, the, uh, airport bookstores were stuffed full of his, his political thrillers. Back before they were stuffed uh, full of John Grisham or after? Yeah, I, I think, I it, yeah, it's like, it's like John Grisham, Tom Clancy, and, and uh, Ludlum all, all, you know, going for that hyper-masculine market. Um, stars Matt Damon, of course, as Jason Bourne, uh, Franca Patente, uh, who you might recognize, uh, from run Lola run. She's also the best thing about season two of the bridge. Also Clive Owen, sneaky little star, uh, guest starring role here, Chris Cooper, and Brian Cox, who you'll recognize as the bad political heavy from every political thriller you've ever seen. Giant assholes. They do a good job at it. Julia Stiles, uh, Clive Owen. Oh, I already talked about Clive Owen and Walton Goggins. Yeah. Back before I knew who he was. I, he was like in his late twenties, early thirties, like still had a fairly full head of hair though. It was in recognizable retreat, just pops out to do one of the most textbook. Yeah. Dossier exposition scenes that you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like it almost like a parody of one, uh, because you know, the, the, it's, it's a well-worn trope at this point. But it's got some, some fun Easter eggs there in the cast. Um, what do you think of this? This is almost 20 years old now, this Jason Bourne film. Uh, what, what do you think about this? And maybe we can springboard into a discussion about why we consider this a prestige film. Uh, I think this is a really good action movie. I don't think it's anything special on the plot or the characters, but the action is something entirely different at the time. Um, I, I hadn't quite seen anything like it and it was exciting. Uh, that's the thing that I guess surprises me about a lot of these reviews, the contemporary reviews is that they don't weigh that heavily enough. And that, that makes sense, right? You can't know sort of that this will be the sort of turning point for a lot of action movies uh, right. and, and the pattern to kind of follow for the next 10, 20 years um, in a lot of respects, but also it, a lot of the reviews talk about how good the characters are and how good the plot is. And I'm like, well, the plot is very straightforward. It's a guy who's lost his memory and is trying to figure out who he is. 
he happens to be an assassin, but like the the assassin part isn't particularly interesting or or you know intricately plotted. It's just he kind of discovers it over the course of the movie. Um, so I, I didn't think it was like great from that aspect. Although I don't think it's bad from that aspect either. I think it's mm-hmm. it's what it needs to be there. But where it really shines is the action. Um, and the, the the action scenes in this are iconic. I remember them beat for beat, every single one of them. And Absolutely. twenty years later, it's it, it's kind of surprising because decade, right? I I I don't remember action scenes typically from movies either. I'll remember like, oh yeah, there is that one and supremacy or was it ultimatum with Carl Urban? We were talking about this before the podcast and. I remember it ends in a tunnel and there's some, you know, spectacular explosions with cars, but I, I couldn't tell you like, oh yeah, this is where he rolls up the magazine and, and hits him in the face with, oh yeah, this is where he jabs the pin into his hand and there's this horrifying yeah. shot where he pulls it out slowly. He's pulling it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's where he like distracts him with the shotgun and the birds and runs through the field at him. Like all of those things, it's, they were so different, so much more personal and intimate and, and intense. I hadn't seen anything like it to that point. So yeah. that's, that's kind of my, my relationship with the movie. And, and you, you talk about action scenes. We'd be remiss if we don't talk about the car chase, which at this point, right. like car chase is felt kind of stilted. And, um, they, you know, they, they're, they, they hadn't quite descended into the excesses of like, um, CG, but I think about like the car chase from the rock where you've got like, what is it? A Ferrari or a Lamborghini versus a fucking Humvee. And they're they're driving through buildings and they're ramping over. And it's just like this, like in impossible scale. And here is like a guy who's just driving the nuts off of a Euro Econo box from a bunch of police are like, it's like one it's, um, and and this, this, this was, you know, obviously was going to influence the Italian job. It's influenced like this, this movie, the DNA of this movie went on to spawn all of the modern bonds. Like if you like the new Daniel Craig bonds, this is, it's Jason Bourne. You got Jason Bourne to thank Um, the driving in like the fast and furious, uh, surprisingly very influenced by the way this film, this film is shot. This is a lot more realistic and a lot less gonzo. Right. But like, (laughs) <laughs> it is it just 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 a way that like you know that that, that they used the um, I don't know the the just the stunt driving um, the intelligence of it I guess that's the mm-hmm. thing because I, I I don't know why Lehman's got such a bug up his ass but like he doesn't like it when people describe this as the thinking man's action movie but like I re- read an interview where he took exception of someone calling it that and then he spent three paragraphs explaining why it's actually the thinking man's action movie it's like oh, oh you know like. Okay. Jason Bourne, he's very methodical and he thinks through mm-hmm. and through and his best weapon is his head. Like, is this not a thinking man's action movie or what the shit is? What are you doing? Yeah. But uh, it is. Yeah. And it's um, I, I cause that's the thing that I was surprised is the muted praise this film got back in 2002. The only thing I can think of is we were still hung over from nine 11 and yeah. like this kind of like, where is he? In the Mediterranean, is that Middle East? How do we feel about Africa? How do we feel about terrorism? How do we feel about the CIA? How do we feel about increasing drum beats towards violence and mil- like? I, I wonder if there was a little bit of that as a kind of like the 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 geopolitical stage was kind of a wet blanket for you know what I think is a otherwise superb action film. Mm-hmm. Like I like you when I came, I, I was excited to see this movie because I, I I like Matt Damon and I like action films and I was expecting kind of like a James Bond kind of thing. 
And what I got was completely different than the, you know, James Bonds that I grew up in. You know, uh, it felt very realistic, very grounded. Jason Bourne felt like a person, not like a paper cutout. You know, it doesn't feel like a, you know, like a Gumby figure. Like when he gets, he accrues damage, he gets hurt in this yeah. film. And that like, you know, uh, he can't just get tank multiple bullets. And I guess he kind of does, but y- you know, uh, it, it's, it's that thing that, that's that realistic feel. Um, I feel like it really like it, it, that this set the mold for all the stuff you saw in the two thousands and the, and the, the 20 teens and the, and, and still in the 2020s. Yeah. There, there's some kind of like, obviously these things come in waves. Everything comes in waves. Um, Sure. You you get to a point where you've turned up the volume so loud that you can't hear anything anymore. And so you have to turn Mm -hmm. the volume way back down. And that's what this movie did as far as action movies, because everything was so over the top. You look at the Matrix, right? A movie I love. Its action scenes are incredible, but they're so, so huge. And there's no room for anything but the action in these scenes. I feel like there's more. There is that sort of thinking man's action stuff um and i think we're seeing it again with stuff like john wick right john wick is is a is another like turning down of the volume from something like fast and the furious where yeah you've got cars jumping from building to building you got people dragging safes through the street of of a busy city like the, the it's so insane and they're they're continuing down that road and i'm totally cool with that but you mm-hmm. do need something that can be a kind of a relief, a breather for people who want something smaller, something a little um, less grand of a scale. Yeah. So I think we're going through that again. And, you know, then we'll have another 20 years where we turn the volume back up and it'll happen all over. Right. Again. Yeah. If like you're in a, a studio environment where all the compression is turned to max, it's this wall of sound with electric guitars that stand out. You go acoustic, right? Right. And Jason Bourne is like the acoustic action film. Um, I want to, so, so I, um, I imagine since this is a 20 year old film, there's probably a lot of people, millennials and, and, and younger that haven't seen it. Maybe we should do the non-spoilery kind of like, Hey, here's what this movie is about. You want to check it out. And, uh, then we can, we can talk more about the, the breakdown in detail, what we like about this film. Yeah. So this is uh, The Born Identity. It's about um, a... The the movie begins in a very striking way. It's a body floating in the Mediterranean Ocean that you come to appreciate as Matt Damon, who is a man who has suffered complete amnesia. Uh, He doesn't know who he is, how he got there, but over the course of the early goings of the film, uh, you you find out he speaks several languages. Uh, He can tie complex knots. Um, He can... Uh, you know, like, like he's got a way of sizing up the situation uh, when someone like aggresses on him, like a police uh, trying to rouse him off a bench in the middle of the night, where he's trying to get some sleep. Like it, he, he kicks into this high gear and is aware that he can just like destroy people. Uh, you know, who am I? How did I get this way? Uh, how did I get in the ocean with two bullets in my back? Uh, it, it, it essentially is a mystery that the Matt Damon character, um, unravels throughout the whole film um and along the way he attracts an ally in the form of frankie potente or frankie potente um who is just perfect it's just perfect in this and does exactly what you need to do um this could be like a thankless kind of like uh maiden in need of rescuing uh shtick in lesser hands but she almost feels like not exactly equals with 
with Jason, but like she is definitely there um, along for the ride and um, is, is, is a vital part of, of the movie. And yeah, that's it. That's it. To say anything more would be a spoiler. It's got great action scenes um, that have a very unique blend of like Filipino, South American and like Israeli defense techniques that I think it's not as impressive now in the world of MMA where we see some of these more like non like as before it's I was boxing karate, right? Yeah. You know, you're you're either doing the stand up boxing thing, you're whoa, and you're throwing kicks and stuff. This is mm-hmm. like this 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 style that emphasizes like improvised weapons, brutal efficiency. You're not trying to knock a man out as much as chop a man down, like break gross joints cause massive incapacitating damage every defensive strike is also an offensive strike um and it's really cool to watch and while there is a lot of shaky cam it's funny because i think the the other two jason Bourne films in the mainline trilogy are much more noticed for being bad shaky cam but i feel like this is just the amount where it's like it adds an extra weight to the punches. It feels an extra desperation. Like if you're a half second late on any of these responses, you're going to get your head taken off. And I, mm-hmm. I think it works really well. And it's, it doesn't uh, commit what I consider the ultimate sin, which is cutting too fast so that you can't follow the action. There are a lot of times where exactly the choreography is so good and these performers are able to handle it and mm-hmm. it, they'll just let the camera sit there for, you know, 10 seconds while they're trading shots. Uh, and uh-huh. it, it doesn't feel like they have to hide anything from the audience. Yeah, a lot of times shaky cam is used. And you think of like um, the Taken films where they got like 65-year-old Liam Neeson and he's not as spry as he used to be. And they're just shaking that camera all over the place. Like no cut lasts longer than a quarter second because, oh my God, if we watch him climb this fence, yeah. we'll be here all day. So we got to shake here it's like the shaky cam is just like to to serve as a jarring impact to the viewer, but at no time do you ever feel lost in the landscape of a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it was really incredible the like the car chase scene. Um, I did not know this, but like they shot that all like separately in different streets that don't connect to each other, and like just got yeah. a lot of cool set pieces. And then in editing, they kind of street strung it together so it feels like you're going places. And I think that's incredible because. Um, yeah, I would, I would, I, you know, I've never been to, to Paris. I haven't driven down to, but like, I, that felt like, um, it never felt like that they're cheating in that way. So, and the, the funny thing is I really think good. that car chase scene is, is directed by the assistant director, not the actual, yes. dir- like not Doug Lehman, which I don't know. I mean, that, that kind of also, we talk about, you know, the hand to hand combat scenes and stuff and those being like the template for future films. But I think like this car chase was also part of that. And I don't know how much you can credit like the Italian jobs, car chasing, uh, car chase scenes to this movie because it only came out a year later. Um, Uh but a lot of movies afterward did these sort of smaller scale, like, you know, car that can't just straight out outrun, uh, the cars that are chasing it. So it has to be the, the, driver has to be smarter and craftier and and more ballsy right driving down a set of stairs in a mini cooper is pretty ballsy um yeah yeah that it, it also gave that sort of feel to car chase scenes as well there's that kind of like realism um 
because I, I I don't know. I lived. I grew up in the rural Midwest, and a staple of our county fairs was the demolition derby. Oh, and sure. if you ever watched the demolition derby, I remember as a kid, like asking my dad, like, why are these backing into each other? And he's like, well, son, uh, you can only take a shot or two at the front of the engine because you're going to crack your radiator. You're going to come at the and your car is going to overheat. And you're going to so like these guys are backing in like. He, if if you're if you're do, trying to do a head or head on, that's like a you know that you save that for the main feature mm-hmm. because your car can only take one or two of those. And here it's like you see Jason Bourne using his trunk as the battering ram, sliding into things, very rarely taking a head on shot like a crafty boxer. Like he knows like he's got this car, going to take a, a finite number of damage. There's it's it's tougher in some, and that all like I don't know, man. Just watching Matt Damon like working the shifter, working the the e brake, uh, like you know hitting the pedal and gas uh those quick shots of the inside which i guess that's the, that was the thing like doug did all the inside work uh in in the car and the other guy who's also with the actual I, actors yeah i've heard i've never seen ronan but everyone fucking talks about the car chase and ronan like it's the second coming of steve mcqueen and bullet and I haven't seen it, but like it's always spoken hush tones. I just found a research that the, the same stunt driving team that did that sequence in Ronin was the stunt driving team that did this sequence in, huh. in Paris. And it is like, yeah, I, I, I got to I guess I got to see Ronin now because that's that's pretty hot shit. Yeah. Um, I love it. In fact, I some people. OK, they're in the Born Supremacy, the sequel. There is another car chase that. I'm not sure if it's not better than this one where uh, it's, it's like in a, it's in Russia and Matt Damon's driving a, a, a taxi cab and Carl Urban's chasing him down in this big black uh, boxy SUV, European SUV. Um, but it's a different, like, cause there it's like, it's two treadstone operatives trying to kill each other. And like all the police and the bystanders, that's just obstacles in the way. Yeah. Whereas this, you've got a guy in a car and it, like this little shit box and like literally all of Paris is trying to arrest him. So you don't have the one main antagonist. It's, it's like all the little and the other movie. It's like, it's much more shot as it just this guy versus this other guy. <laughs> um, so it's like, which do you like better? You know, um, one guy, you know, do you like Tony jaw breaking 30 guys arms or do you like, you know, Arnold and the predator going mano a mano? Like which, which is the yeah. better fight, you know? I do love in this chase scene, there's a shot. It's kind of the classic shot, right? Where you'll see somebody's being chased and uh oh, suddenly in their way in the front of uh, in the road, there's two guys carrying a big pane of glass. Oh, shit. You got to drive right through that thing. And so you do. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, they kind of do that. There's like one shot where he drives between a phone booth and a couple of propane tanks and the phone booth door is open mm-hmm. and he has to drive like right through the phone booth as people dive <laughs> out of the way and I was like oh okay uh-huh. there are some homages here to classic chase scenes what you think of those oh there's amazing stunt work like uh, all the times he goes up on sidewalks and there's like couples I imagine like that's like just tons of stunt people like yeah. jumping out of the way at the last second um, mm-hmm. it, yeah like it's like you know it just goes to show because none of these cars are probably capable of going more than 65 miles an hour. Yeah. They have shitty suspensions and brakes are not known for excel- acceleration. It's all about like the skill and tactics of the driver, mm-hmm. um, which make, you know, Jason Bourne that, that much more impressive. It's a lot. I think this is a more impressive stunt than watching, you know, James Bond hustle, a you know, 
$100,000 sports car through its paces, you know, chased by a Lamborghini. Yeah, I can see it. It feels like it's something you could see happen on the streets almost, right? Like I could be driving one day in my hometown and just see this kind of thing happen. Whereas I'm never going to see the mountainside chase with, you know, Pierce Brosnan and, and Fomka Jansen or whoever out there. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that's not going to happen to me, but I don't yeah. know. It, it feels, it feels more personal, more grounded. Uh, I think one of the reasons this movie works so well is because Matt Damon, um, who he hadn't had a lot of, I know he's had some, I mean, I don't know. Has he had any action, like just balls out action roles other than Jason Bourne? Uh, Cause I didn't associate him with that. I associated him with more like arty stuff, you know, right. or screwball. Like, you know, I'd seen him in goodwill hunting. I'd seen him in uh, some, some Jane and silent Bob shit, you know, like dogma. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd seen him in, uh, uh, uh the, 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 the talented Mr. Ripley, but this Rounders. where it's like, and he's not even really, he's not even really jacked. He's just a normal dude, like, you know, honed to some kind of physical and mental peak yeah. uh, through some kind of like government testing and shit. And uh, it works really well. And I was shocked to see that he was not the first choice of this role. Did you see any of this stuff that I, like I did? Yeah. Lehman tried to get Brad Pitt, which I would agree with as another excellent choice for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Russell Crowe, which, mm, but Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Cruise and Sylvester Stallone. I think this movie is unrecognizable because those guys just take this fucking movie over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's no longer, it'd be like Arnold Schwarzenegger as Neo. It's no longer about an everyman, you know, uh, who you're kind of betting against and like, you're, it's kind of incredible what they're doing. It, it's now just like, well, of course Arnold Schwarzenegger is just going to, you know, fucking wreck house and win. Of course he is. Um, yeah, I, I like it. Um, this hit at a time for me where Matt Damon was mostly an unknown. I think I had only seen him in rounders though. Mm. I'm not sure I had seen saving private Ryan yet. Uh, maybe, but he's in that so little, right? Like he's not a, right. a big featured name there. Um, and, and so like rounders is another movie where he plays this very smart, very cunning person um, in, in the poker world. And he's trying to, make a bankroll to go to school or something. I don't know. Um, and so like him stepping into this character, who's also another smart, uh, cunning, but assassin this time, I was like, okay, that's a really good fit for this character. And, Oh, he can do action, right? He can't, he's not just going to sit across from, uh, John Malkovich and be intimidated. He's, he's also this action hero. Um, and I don't, I looked through his filmography. I don't think he's done anything that I'd really call action oriented stuff right. i mean oceans movies is probably about as close as he gets but those are not the same at all no no um so yeah this might be the only action series he has ever done and maybe ever will do i think that suits it well because like a guy like arnold schwarzenegger he's sitting in this uh diner being like why do i know i can kick a 215 pound man's ass why do i know that i can do it's like well because you're, <laughs> arnold you're... Fucking schwarzenegger. you're built you're <laughs> right. built in the goddamn lab arnold you know uh-huh. like of course if, if, it's like why can i snap 12 inch trees like twigs like because you you're the austrian oak man and i think some of this stuff only works if it is matt damon at this stage yeah. maybe that's one of the reasons the later because like i feel like each matt each successive born loses a little bit and then it, you wind up with jason born 
which was the 2016 movie that we actually reviewed. We saw it in the theaters and saw it, and that like it's okay, but it's much more like an average forgettable James Bond flick. In fact, I think it's telling yeah. that I can't remember a goddamn thing about that movie. I remember very early on, it starts with a fight, uh, like a fist fight where he's got his hands wrapped or something. And there are people standing around. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's fight, doing like but... a Batman thing in Tibet or some shit. Like yeah. what? Yeah, but I remember yeah. like nothing else about that movie. The other thing that surprised me in researching this movie, um, cause I just, one of those movies I loved be well before my amateur critic, critic days. Uh, is that like it had a very troubled production. The, the studio was at constant war with Doug Lehman, hated him so much that they recast a director for all of the sequels. Um, oh, right. And like constantly giving notes about now. I do think that there's a, some stuff that Lehman was doing that was some horse shit. Like, you know, like clearly he's more this was his first big budget thing. And there's a couple of funny stories about like when he was with the casting director and he's used to being like, uh, you know, I, I kind of want a Brian Cox type uh, to play. And they're like, well, why don't we just get Brian Cox? You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's yeah. like, and I, I really like the, the way the set designer from this movie is like, well, why don't we just get that set designer? Look, we have $60 million. million. Dollars, Doug. <laughs> like, right. yeah, it's, this isn't a $5 million budget thing, but how about open them up? But he did a couple things that felt like insisting on having a French speaking uh, film crew in France, which I don't know. I guess that was a big problem for studio. I don't know why. Um, he had a couple other things that seemed like they were just bugs up his asses, but also he brought a lot of stuff to this. Like one of the things I thought was interesting is in the dialogue scenes, he would not usually the camera guy goes through rehearsals. So he knows like, Oh, this person's speaking like over there. He didn't let the camera guy into any of the rehearsals because he wanted him to feel like he's a half second behind the dialogue. Like he's like following, you know, mm-hmm. like, so like someone starts talking and the camera wheels over to them and then someone else starts talking. And, and instead of it is smooth, like you're there, it's like it, it add a little bit of immediacy. Another thing he did, which I thought was interesting is I guess the early shots of the stalking through the, um, the tall grass, you know, the, the duel between uh, was it Clive Owen and Matt Damon towards the end of the movie. Yeah. Like a lot of those early shoots were like looking very boring and flat. And he's like, you know what? We just need to, we need to film this whole thing at waist level to kind of like make you feel like you're down in that grass and like, it's dangerous to stand up. And when you're ha- and like, fuck if I, it's, it pops like yeah. there's very little gunfire in that last gun battle, uh-huh. but it's all like tear your eyes away from the screen during that five minutes, you know? Um, yeah. He had a lot of these instinctive kind of ideas on how to make this really pop. Yeah, I mean, he's a good director for sure. Um, I like a lot of his other work, too. Um, Edge of Tomorrow is a really well-directed film, I think. Uh, and Absolutely. That's, that's even, you know, talk about scale. That's going even bigger. Um, I, I, I always question whether or not directors should be doing this shit with, like, tricking their camera people, tricking the professionals they work with into doing their job better. Because, like, you could, probably could have gone to that cinematographer and said hey dude we just want to be a half second behind on all these things can you just do that as part of your job and he would have been like yeah absolutely got it and probably nailed it the the idea that you have to like trick these people who are paid and highly skilled at their job to do their job is a little weird to me i think there's yeah i mean it's funny because there's there's like definite limits where it's like Hey, we're going to make this actor think they're actually being raped. Won't that be fun? Or, Hey, we're actually going to cut this. We're going to cut this actor's cable. So they actually think that something's gone wrong. We get that set. 
I think that's clearly um, unethical and immoral. Mm-hmm. But like things like you know, like this, like uh, some of this is like um, some actors don't like it, but improvised dialogue. Yeah. You know, like hey, we have a sketch in here, and I just want to see you get people riff. Like, is that bad? Like, I feel like it's more of like asking your DP to kind of like be improvisational. But you're right; they probably could have done a facsimile of what they wanted. Just be like, yeah, just be a half second, be a little shaky. Don't don't zoom right to the thing. Kind of like because everything is knows like because of that, like the guy slightly pans past and has to reacquire. And yeah. it gives it, I don't know, like he, he said, it's an edge. He wanted an ed, those scenes to have mm-hmm. an edge to them. And, and it works. It, it feels it like you're right in it. the room with these characters. Uh, and, and you're trying to follow this conversation. Yeah. And there's just a lot of really good, there's a lot of stuff that like I thought really sold the stuff. Um, like the way that um, before you even know that Jason Bourne can do anything but tie fancy knots. When he's dropped off by what is it, the Greek fishing boat, um, he disappears behind traffic. He does the you know the the Batman thing where he just like this like shows unconscious. And like when the cops um, take a swing at him at the park bench, there's this moment where the camera catches like Matt Damon's face, realizing that like I know kung fu, uh-huh. and he beats these guys down. And then he's kind of like, well, shit, now what do I do? I, I, I throw away the gun. I take off my clothes. And like it's like he frightens himself, yeah. Um, in a lot in the first act of this film, which lands great, and Matt Damon is great at portraying that. Oh yeah, I mean the first act of this film, with with one minor exception, I think is very very good. Because uh, I I get myself in the head of Matt Damon as he's trying to figure out who he is. Right, got no recollection. You find this bank account number, and you go to this bank and you open your safe deposit box, and you're like what is the because people don't don't suddenly wake up into a life like this right it's it's years of momentum and inertia and choices you've made that bring you to this point where you're comfortable being an assassin with multiple passports and guns and money all in this un unnamed uh number to count in switzerland if you wake up one day and that is your life you're just like Oh my God! What is this? Uh, that can't be me. Who am I? It, it, you you really feel like the shock of what he finds in that box. And you've, I've seen this done. Like, um, what was that um, first person uh, hardcore Harry or something Henry, like yeah. that? Hardcore Henry. That there's another about a guy who gets like a cybernetic upgrade and like no and like Keanu Reeves. I know kung fu. There's a lot of these types that like show an everyman kind of with this ability, but like the, I, it's almost always like a power fantasy and this, it's almost played as like a curse. Yeah. And there's like, man, it's just so cool. Cause like they, they pull this chip out of him and it's got this laser thing with this coordinates to Zurich and like, what the fuck? And there's almost this relief when Matt Damon gets there and he gets the box like, Oh, it's a, you know, like this is like a, what a normal, but yeah. then it's got this second layer and he pulls it and it's got like $2 million in international currency, a gun, a million different passports. Yeah. And it's like, Oh my God. And like, it shares a lot of kind of like, there's, there's the, you know, like iron giant, you know, the iron giant's about a weapon that has lost his memory and resists being that thing for at the whole, you know, only reluctantly does it become the thing. And like, I feel like there's a lot of that in Matt Damon where like he's constantly in the first act in the movie presented with guns and what's he do he field strips them and throws them away because he yeah. just doesn't want like he just doesn't want to be that guy who is going to just like erase people because it's convenient um it puts himself through a lot of hell to, to like it had been a lot you know there's a couple points where like i don't know if you should throw away the gun here matt 
Mm-hmm. You know, I maybe should maybe should just like paste a couple of guys, but like, you know, that's not what he wants to be. He's not a guy. He doesn't want to be a gun. He doesn't want to be yeah. a 30 million dollar piece of malfunctioning U.S. government equipment that he's called later in the film. Right. And that's one of the the things that I talked about or the, the feelings I get with like that idea of, well, you make a bunch of decisions over the course of your life that lead to this point. What if all that is wiped away? Would you still want to be that person? Uh, and that's the thing he's given here, right? Some some idea that he might have a fresh start, um, that he could be a different person and not make all the same decisions. Uh, and, and I think that's like the character work in this, because I don't think there's a ton of character stuff in here. I think what is there works, but it's it's not like the best stuff I've ever seen. Um, mm. What does work here for me is like, given the choice, knowing where this will end up, will you make the same choice? Uh, and, and that is like yeah. the, the sort of arc of self-discovery, self-rediscovery here that Matt Damon goes on in this movie. And I, I think it works pretty well. It's, it's more than I expect from some kind of spy assassin thriller movie like this. Yeah. And there's this point in the movie where it like consciously pivots from like this mystery to an out and out action movie. And it's, it's in the U S embassy where the dude in the, the suit, the trench coat comes out and says, you and the red bag, the red bag, right. That's where the movie switches into an action movie. Oh, yeah. And it, I, I was watching it like uh, last night and I'm like, do I buy this that like Matt Damon can escape from a U.S. embassy? Look at all these fucking Marines and their full battle rattle, like like going out and tactically sweeping this thing. And it like it always works because who the fuck thinks this dude in a sweater is going to like scale this building? Right. You know, like it's like yeah. it's, it's so dangerous. And I guess like um, uh, one of the infamous facts about this film is like Matt Damon did the last 30 feet of that building climb himself. Like, uh, um, and I'm like, you're watching this and it's like, the thing about Jason Bourne is like, he's this like invincible robot kind of mm-hmm. when he's in that mode where it's like, Oh my God, there's snow and ice. He's touching this hard metal. This gotta be hell on your finger. Like he's just do it. It's just, I know it's like, he's, it's an always just kind of in the same way as Indiana Jones, like Indiana Jones is not like, overwhelmingly beating it's he's just like barely doing enough to get to the one scene it's like that kind of indiana jones kinetic uh franticness of yeah. like just barely by the skin of his teeth except for what if indiana jones was actually a highly trained and competent you know special forces type uh cia assassin guy um yeah and it it it, it just it just works man it does i, I like that too i'm i'm watching this movie at the beginning and I'm trying to figure out, okay, why are both authorities after him? Why is, are the Swiss after him? Why are the Americans after him? I get why the Americans are. And I think I get why the Swiss are. I think the Swiss is just a matter of coincidence. Like he's walking down the street. He's looking very suspicious. He's got this red bag, no coat, which I think is a big, like what the fuck is going on with this guy moment. And the Swiss like chase him down the street and into the American embassy. And now he's like, jumping between the two jurisdictions effectively the two countries which was super right? smart too that like the all like him like uh seeing the embassy and like i'm on and, and the yeah Swiss they, guy they and the can't US chase Marines me in like, here get the fuck out of here you got no jurisdiction yeah and and then he uses that again i think to his advantage when he goes back outside on the balcony and climbs down because now the americans aren't able to chase him outside right outside of these grounds yeah. so like yeah he's using the the borders here the effective borders to lose his tails and I, I think it's really cool. It's really smart. Uh, sorry to uh, D- Doug Lehman here, but this is probably the thinking man's part of this movie. 
<laughs> well, that's the other thing they did. They did so much in that's this, this transitional act to like sell his smartness. Like there's a scene where like early on where he's trying to get away and the embassy and this one dude tries to get him at the top of the stairs. And he just gives one of the most brutal rackings in cinematic history. <laughs> yeah. Like this guy's testicles pop up through his pelvis and out uh, his throat. And the guy just crumples and like oozes down slides. the staircase. Yeah. 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 He's going to need a couple of days off. Yeah. And Matt Damon goes back. And at first you think, Oh shit. He's like making sure he didn't like, I don't know. He's like, compat- but then he like frisks the guy and like grabs his radio mm-hmm. so he can. And it's like, Oh shit. That's so fucking smart. Of course he would. Um, and, and there's another scene I really love too. Once he like he hooks up with uh, Franca and and mm-hmm. they drive, they're headed to Paris and they stop mm-hmm. at a, like a gas station truck stop kind of thing. And and he's like talking to her, saying, "Okay, I don't know who I am, but I know all these things. Like I can tell you the license plate numbers of every car outside. I can tell you that the guy at the bar is 215 pounds, six, six foot two, and he knows how to handle himself." Uh, mm-hmm. that is like the thinking man's part of this as well and I love that scene when he's just like I why can I tell you all these things but I can't Almost tell you who I am yeah. exactly and it's like the you know the kind of the lampshade scene of the movie kind of like a, kind of a dealing with the ridiculousness of like this very specific amnesia you know uh-huh. um, but uh, can I tell you the great one that- thing at the beginning of this movie that I don't like okay please they've got this mystery of like, who is this character? Who have they pulled out of the sea? Why does he like have this thing embedded in his hip with the code? And we're so into that amnesia plot and I'm really feeling it. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm into this. And then they cut away to, is it the CIA? Is that who is running the Treadstone program? The Treadstone stuff. Yeah. Okay. They, they cut away to the CIA with Chris Cooper and he says, mm-hmm. Uh, the guy comes in and says mission failed and I'm like well and then they just cut right back to Jason and I'm like that tell that is there for a reason it's trying to tell me that he is somebody very important right and and that these things are connected but I don't know that I like that I kind of wanted to be more in the amnesia story for longer that's the thing is like we care we what we really care about is Jason Bourne and the first act there's a lot of like disconnected things about this like African political leader slash warlord and this assassination attempt and the CI thing and you slowly realize that there's a connection there's a connection there right like yeah, you, know, you yeah. put this you you put these pieces together say, so they have to kind of serve that plot but yeah like some of that stuff felt like it's from like as much as I love Walton Goggins his scene is ridiculous. <laughs> Where right. like he stands up and's like, yeah, we got this G slur and she's running around. She's got no mom and dad, and she, but she's like this and that. And he's like just giving this like textbook kind of like exposition about this character, so we know anything about her. Mm-hmm. Um, all that stuff doesn't. I don't know. Like I, I feel like the less we know about Treadstone, the better. And honestly, like it would be better for us all to be baffled by what jason Bourne discovers whereas the way the film is structured by the third act you're like i know like i'm just waiting for and and, yeah, and it robs up, the energy jason. a little bit exactly it robs a little yeah. bit of the energy uh between uh uh chris cooper and, and matt damon because he's telling them things that we've already pieced together yeah instead of us finding out in real time with matt damon like you know exactly like you no, you're not a good guy yeah. You were a bad guy. You were a very particular type of bad guy. I feel um, like future movies get better at that, like future sequels to this. 
they, they will like sort of lead you along a little bit longer and let you discover it with the character. But they also get so like who cares twisty government yeah. shit that I stop I right. stop knowing it knowing or caring anything about them uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. Like all this yeah, Blackbriar stuff that's mentioned at the very, very end of this movie. Which is just Treadstone 2.0. Yeah. Right, right. It's just like, well, we've rebranded and and now mm-hmm. we can continue to doing the same shit we did. Uh, that comes back yeah. later in sequels. Which is interesting. Um, uh-huh. That uh, also like the suggestion that like, uh, I don't know. I find this interesting. The suggestion that in the CIA, they would never do anything underhanded, like assassinate or topple a government. That's like some kind, that's some kind oh. of rogue guy going... Like, like that's not like official fucking doctrine. Like they don't haven't written manuals about that stuff. Like, <laughs> right. you know, like get, get the fuck out of here. Did I thought you know? some of that stuff. It's like, well, the good guys at CIA are trying to track down the bad guys. I'm not saying, look, you need something. Like, I'm not ones, saying yeah. like, fuck the CIA, boss the CIA, all that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, someone's got to have a leash on these fuckers or it gets, yeah. it gets all fucko. Um, and you know, it's, it's like, they kind of like even hint at that at the end where he's clearly giving a closed door briefing to the house intelligence committee. And, you know, there's nobody there, but like five senators and three representatives. And he's like, Oh yeah. Treadstone. Yeah. You know, it turns out that thing was all did fail and we're going to, it's all but rolled up anyway. And it we're wasn't cost effective it. is essentially it what he cost- says. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't cause like an international shitstorm that we had to assassinate like six other people to cover up. And and oh, but 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 Black Briar, Black Briar's gonna <laughs> blow your hair back. You know, there's a little bit of that, but like, I thought that was very funny. The idea that rogue elements within the CIA are responsible for the adventurism uh, across the world. Yeah, I found out something interesting uh, looking up the director of this movie, Doug Lehman. His mm-hmm. father is Arthur Lehman. If that name sounds familiar to probably people older than me, probably uh, it's because he was the chief counsel for the Senate's investigation into Iran Contra. Really? Uh huh. So like, and, and a lot of like the, I guess the writing of this movie, the, the guy who wrote it was like, also I think given like notes that Arthur took during that whole uh, investigation, um and his like notes on Oliver North and stuff like that and and he was given those and he like kind of jettisoned most of it because he didn't want it to get too political right he didn't want to like shove that down viewers throats so he didn't use a lot of it but that is kind of like I guess the basis for this because early on in the movie don't they say like essentially they sent Jason Bourne out there to cover up their nation building shit right the same shit they were doing in Iran Contra um they were doing in this at the beginning of this movie. And that's why they were trying to kill this one Bozy guy. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. This, this, uh, this African guy who's probably a political leader and the CIA is calling a warlord, um, you know, rose to power in some way and the CIA didn't like him. So they tried to rub him out. And then he's going to the world saying the CIA tried to rub him out. We can't have that happen. So, right. So we really got to rub him out this time <laughs> and rub out the yeah. guy who tried to rub him out. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. I, that's really so he's got a little bit of this kind of like probably baked in skepticism of the CIA uh, yeah. that he got from his dad, you know, doing all this investigation and stuff. And That's when I was really reading cool. about it, I assumed that was the writer of this movie that Doug Lehman had written it, but he directed it. So I don't know how much of that like yeah. bled into the movie, but certainly some of it. Sounds like he was a hands on type of dude. Like, yeah. uh, you know, it's very rare for the director to like be swinging the can. And I guess that's what like because he is from a low budget background where it's more common, much more common for the director to be the, you know, uh, the, the director of cinematography and the camera guy and, you know, the, 
do all that stuff than it is in like a big budget thing where you start having multiple camera crews and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, yeah, like he, he did a lot of the shot, like actually handing the cameras, like, you know, directing the, sh- the action and shots, not just sitting behind the monitor being like, oh yeah, that looks good. Hmm. So I could see him being really involved in the scripting process and all that. And I guess um, like during the course of shooting, there were new, new uh, script rewrites coming in all the time. So yeah, he might have had What do you think about the, this? Cause I, I, what do you think about the soundtrack of this movie? I like it. I mean, it's got a lot of early 2000s techno uh, kind of stuff. Paul Oakenfold, Moby, guys like that. And, yeah, it's got what is Extreme Days is the, you know, the, it's the Moby the, track. Yeah, is the, the plays the movie out. But like that, it's, it's a very minimalist because it's essentially just playing like electro bass scales like boom 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 yeah. boom 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 but it it fucking works and i love how like you don't really get a lot of it it's very minimalist scores until like the scene of them activating all the treadstones act uh what feels like an, it came from another movie like this is like a mission impossible where they're laying yeah. like it rome italy like yeah. multiple camera zooms this guy's just doing some shit and he gets a phone call and right where he goes into secret agent mode and but like the the music fucking i think sells it you know because like uh-huh. hell yes shit's getting real he's not just dealing with german cops trying to rouse bums out of out of uh out of parks now he's got like real so he's got all of interpol after him and four treadstone agents oh my god yeah um but I, yeah, I like the the sound the soundtrack. It's got uh, it's got at least one catchy thing, the Moby song, and it's got like also the stuff that just like highlights how sneaky and underhanded everything in the movie is. And then yeah, but at that at that point where he fights that first assassin who finds him in his apartment in Paris, the the movie has has made its mark for me. Like I I cannot get that scene out of my head, mostly because of the pin. And I find it hilarious too because he's like looking all around the apartment, right? He's looking at the pots and the pans. He's looking at the knives. He's looking at all these things that could be pretty effective weapons. And by the time the assassin flies in through the window, none of those are at his disposal. And now he's uh-huh. resorting to rolled up magazines and pins, mm-hmm. like big ballpoint pins. Yeah, like he's treating this guy like a dog that's pissed on the carpet, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, it's so good. I, I love the energy of that scene where like Matt Damon's is like, what is he embarrassed about what's going to happen? Because he's trying to like, you know, he gets the knife and then he drops because he doesn't want like, is, is he is at this point is like, he's still thinking maybe I'm being a little pair, like all of my yeah. senses. I don't barely understand are screaming that something bad is about to happen. But like, also if I uh, grab this woman and throw her in the bathroom and lock her with why I've got, why I'm holding an eight inch knife. She's going to freak and like, what if nothing happens, you know, but there's this kind of like awkward. She's like, is anything wrong? Oh, no, nothing's wrong. Meaningful glance at the the long hall corridor leading to the front door. Are you sure? Oh, no, everything, you know, just uh, cold water, you know, Uh, meaningful (laughs) glance to the window. Right. And then like, you know, when the guy finally comes, he just fucking, you know, repels in with uh, fully silenced automatic weapon shooting. It's Uh like fucking on and i love the way because i uh, in the script um it was written for franca to like just completely lose her shit and like ball and scream and jason like comforts her after this and the way she plays it is like i can't believe i just saw that i can't believe this guy who i've spent the last 48 hours with just killed a man right in front of me um and like yeah just like just almost disbelief at what she's seeing works so much better i, Do you I love talk about it. her for a bit 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think she's great in this movie and her performance in those moments that you're talking about. Um, those decisions make this character because they don't tell you a lot about this character. I think the most like backstory you get from this character is when the cops are researching her saying, okay, well she lives in a bunch of different places. So she's a bit of a nomad. And then there's this one guy whose house farmhouse they go to toward the end of the movie. uh, And he knows a little bit about her, but, but she's able to like tell you so much about this character through moments like that, where Oh, she's seen some some shit, right? Like she's not. Most people probably would be freaking out and crying and curling into a ball if someone busted through their window with automatic guns going off. Uh, but she's like, you know, there there's like a ah fuck it kind of nature to her, and also eh, I've seen stuff about this bad too. So eh. yeah. Also, I wonder how much uh, because I took the knowledge of her role in Run Lola Run, where Mm. she just essentially spends the whole movie running to try to save her boyfriend. She's very resourceful, very fit. Like I take that as into it as 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 part of this character, where it's like um, this is you know this is not like Bryce Dallas was it Bryce Dallas Howard Bryce Howard Dallas the redhead from Ron Howard must be Howard Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, This is not the character from Jurassic World. Oh, that yeah, is yeah. wearing six inch heels in the jungle. This yeah. is not like uh, who's the is it is it is it Billy from Indiana Jones two, where she's mm-hmm. like, oh my god, it's oh gross bugs and like that. Like, this is a very capable and competent woman who yeah. has gone through some hardship and some. So like, it's not a stretch to think that like I, I guess that's the biggest question is like you have to buy that she would take Matt Damon into her car for $10,000, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. And I think with her background and the way she's bounced around and kind of been in some trouble with the law, like you, you almost like get that, but there's a, there's, there's a scene in the, like, I, I feel like they're, yeah, like this is the scene where she should have bailed. And like even Matt Damon, like saying like, you should, you yeah. know what? Like when he said, we got to go and he sees that she's shell socked, he goes back. He's like, you know what? You stay here you give all this to the cops, all the passports, all the money, tell them all the truth. And they're going to believe you. And then her like being a very smart, resourceful character, like doing the math on that and what she's seen so far and be like, well, they're not going to stop with me. You know, like they're not like, if I know, like essentially I know too much, like they're not going to like, just let me go. Uh, my only way out is through with you. I thought that, I don't know. I bought well, the it. hilarious I part being it. that she actually doesn't know too much. And they could totally let her go and she, they would never blow back on them because th- neither of them know who he is. Right. I feel uh, trans- it would just I feel be like this the- dude who was like, well, a guy swung in through the window and tried to kill him. I don't know, but it's a hell of a story. But Treadstone doesn't like, know that he's got amnesia. Right. They think he's on some mission to come yeah, hunt yeah. him down he's or still- whatever. Like halfway through the movie, I think Chris Cooper is still of the opinion that he's trying to because that's the job. These guys go dark. They play right. like the whole. T- I did some research and I, I fell into a treadstone hole. Like oh, yeah. their their whole thing is like you know instead of having this huge team that of like infrastructure and support and analyst agents and stuff, uh, you know that can like loose slip sink ships. They have a singular embedded all over the world operative. They can activate, give a target, and then they plan everything. They procure the weapons. Mm. They procure the travel. They do so. It like there's nothing that can blow back on them. Like there's not even a yeah. videotape of like. You know, we'll disavow you. It's just like it's, it's you just get this picture of a dude in a dress, and these guys do. So, like, 
that's kind of the interesting thing is like Treadstone's not fully marshal it against him because they think that like, oh, he just botched the hit and now he's trying to make good because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. But I do also think that she's right that like, I think Chris Cooper, maybe a week after they pick her up, uh, make sure that she dies of a drug overdose in a hotel room because why take chances? You know? Gotcha. Sure. Um, it's kind of like what what is that the scene in Casino where like all the mob bosses like oh yeah this guy yeah. yeah he's a good guy he'll never be yeah he's a he's a marine he can take the and then gets all the way to the old guy in the auction mask he's like eh, why well, I see it why take the chance you yeah. know like why take chances I feel like that's so like I and I I knowing all that on all the spy is like I feel like that it's she's almost a little too smart for for this role but like it works like you never she never feels like she's second banana. Yeah. Um, there's this always this awkward energy between her. Um, like the there's this like really strange intimacy right before they 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 make love for the first time, where like he's dyeing her hair and like, cutting her hair, and like he's just focused on the mission. He's not getting it, mm-hmm. and she's but she's getting up. I, I I don't know, man. They I felt like they had a lot of chemistry. Slight spoiler for the first five minutes of the second movie, to the point where I was fucking outraged when they just ceremoniously wrote her out of the, the rest of the films, like in the first five minutes, like that fucking uh, made me so angry at the movie. It took me like a whole other act to recover and get back on board with Jason Bourne because like they went through, I mean, this is like, uh, I felt the same goddamn thing uh, in aliens three where it's like, you know, Ripley and uh, what the fuck uh, Michael Bain uh, had gone through all this shit and they crashed on his prison planet and they're just dead like Newt and uh, Corporal Hicks. Is that the guy's name or is that the game over man? uh, Yeah. Yeah. uh, Whoever like they're just, they're just dead. And I'm like, well, I went through, do you understand the journey I went through with these characters? Um, Of course in the Bourne movie, that was the point. Like the point is like get Jason really fucking pissed off at Treadstone to where he wants (laughs) to kill every last motherfucker mission accomplished. But yeah, yeah, I felt that's the biggest Testament is that I, I felt like gutted when when she dies in the very beginning of the the next movie yeah it sucks uh there's one other question i have about this character and it's what the hell she does in that scene where jason's going into somewhere i can't remember where um and he leaves her in the car and he says don't get out of the car and she gets out of the car and she goes and gets like some twizzlers or some shit i don't know and he comes back and he's like, I told you not to get out of the car. She's like, I, I had to get Twizzlers. It, it, I expected that to come back later. Like she had made a phone call to let them track her or something. That seems completely out of place. Like there's no reason to have that scene in there. Uh, other than I guess showing that she is not taking this seriously enough, I suppose. I took it to where, because I, I kind of felt the same way, but the, where I came at is like, this is the filmmaker showing the audience that she still has agency. Like, huh, okay. she's not too afraid. Like, you know, he's given her very strict command. She's not under a spell. Like, in fact, I think you're supposed to get the idea that she's flirting with like bailing or talking to the cops or something. 
And that when she comes back, she didn't have to. Yeah, she's so looking like, at his keys, right? Like I could drive off. Then she's figuring yep. the money. And like, this like, is this, oh, this is telling you as an audience member that she's all in and yeah. like don't feel bad about her. Be this is not like Sandra Bullock stuck on the bus on speed. Okay, like she's not like just this is she's an active participant in the ride from this point forward. I think. Okay, I think, but it was Makes it sense. was kind of a, a, ambiguous. Um, and they don't like you know twenty years ago. It's rare, like. Um, it's funny because I, I do wonder if this movie came out in 2021, if I'd be one of the people bitching about like, yeah, they're really shoehorn this, hor- this romance on here. Um, because that's Maybe. like a thing that I've become aware of. The fact that like, you know, even Roger Ebert in his kind of like this specific review talked about them, you know, having a romance because of course they're going to have a romance. He's a guy and he's a girl. It's like paint by numbers. But I, well, I don't know. I this think it's felt the a character. Little- Right. Like that is who she is. Like she lived in five different places over six years. And when she gets later with the farmhouse, dude, he's like, oh, oh, you really meant just one night. You don't usually. And and like you get that sense that like she maybe sleeps with people. So she has a place to stay and like doesn't have to spend money she doesn't have and things like that. 100 percent. Yeah. So I, I think it's it's part of her character, not just like, oh, man, woman, they get together, of course. Yeah. And it's like also there's a little bit of like Marion Ravenwood where it's like, you know, she's not Indiana Jones, but she can also she doesn't need Indiana Jones to fucking save her, no. you know, because she can drink a dude under the table and like get them all to twist around her little finger and then make off of their own. Sure. Um, there's a scene where like she contributes, you know, like Jason's uh-huh. got this like, OK, go in there and you stake the place out. You get a count on everybody. We'll look at all the, the bellboys patterns. Do this, do that. And then, and then once you recon- call me. And uh, then she just walks out. And she's got the bill because she's an attractive young woman and she's, oh, my God, I have my I have this new assistant. This guy's going to kill me if I don't get an itemized receipt. Yep. And she just fucking social engineers the guy because that's what she does. Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, well, yeah, that's really smart. That works. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's a great scene that puts them more on. I mean, obviously, she's not the physical and like marksman uh, martial artist equal, but like she's not no. stupid. No. Um, and she's not here like because Matt Damon has taken her hostage and is using, you know, like they're, they're, yeah. So I, I think that, and they're, especially back 20 years ago, I don't know that there was a lot of women that could walk on the set and play that, especially cause like she feels very thoroughly Europe, like cosmopolitan continental. Yeah. Like she's been around, you mm-hmm. know, she's not a bumpkin. She's very experienced. And like, she just like fucking like just brings that shit that authenticity effortlessly for sure the other big action scene I kind of, we've kind of for it talked around it is the one between clive owen and matt damon where he tracks him down to her brother's residence and like what is this rural france now and uh you know matt like the thing that tips him off is the dog's gone missing because you can't you know if you're trying to sneak up somebody you can't have a dog barking and, and giving you away so the guy kills the dog that sets off matt and then they stalk each other through this this compound where like Matt Damon takes a shotgun, blows up this fuel drum that like, you know, distracts the professor while he gets away. There's a scene where he uses like the birds to kind of cover his his motion and, and movement and his sound. They're stalking each other through the tall grass. That stuff is all interesting. We talk about how they shot it, but like I really like the scene where like Matt Damon, he's finally got to drop in this guy. He's, he's killed them. He's dying. He's got like two, two barrels of buckshot in his chest and he's going down. And Matt Damon wants to like interrogate this guy. And this guy, a treadstone operative, he's like, I'm dead. I'm done. And like yeah. almost talks to him, like uh, two guys about to retire. 
mm-hmm. talking about like, oh man, this job, this, uh, we've been roofing, roofing houses for 30 years is murder on your knees. Like I, I really like how they shot where like, it's completely unsatisfying because Matt Damon gets no information, but they make a human connection of like both being these tools that are being used for some purposes they can't, can't comprehend. And then like that line about like, look what the, look what they ask you to give, yeah, you know, and for what we don't even know. I, I thought that was like so poignant. Um, and it's just something that you don't usually get in like, you know, a James Bond, like James Bond gets like, a, that's a guy either no. swallows a suicide pill yep. or jumps he out a third dies. story window in the Paris apartment and splats on the right. sidewalk. Right. You don't usually have like this kind of like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what you call it. Like a salute across a battlefield from, from two foes. And he was never going to get anything from this guy. Right. That That's the unspoken thing here no. is that no matter how much pressure he put on his pain points or how long he tortured him, he, this guy was never going to break just like Jason would never break. So right. this is a moment of like, okay, well, yeah, uh, he fact, and this guy is kind of excited to talk to another person like him, right? Yeah. Someone who understands exactly what he's gone through. Yeah, let's not waste. And I imagine I, I, I my head cannon says that he would have blown his own head off, except for he knew exactly about how long it would take for him to die of these wounds. Right. So right. he's like, no, nah, I'll just I'll just shoot the shit with another treadstone guy and then die. Yeah. Um, and you get all that because again, Clive Owen is a very smart sly guy. Mm. Um kind of been, it's just like uh was he big was this kind of like was he like a walton goggins where it's like yeah he's he, i'm not saying this is like his only role or whatever but right. like i don't know in fact it shocked me when i was watching this movie like oh shit that's that's uh uh yeah that's that guy <laughs> yeah clive owen uh i don't clive know owen, what he yeah. was doing at the time but i certainly don't remember knowing him um I guess he had been in things, but nothing like this. Maybe he was he was yeah. in Gosford Park with the uh, oh, what was that guy from Driver? Yeah. As I said, I, I the the other thing that, that, that disappoints me is the final scene between uh, Cooper and Damon. Because uh, you, you you're wanting that to be satisfying, but Matt is getting like disappointing answers that we already know. And Chris Cooper looks like a goofy guy just screaming and yelling like like he I don't know, like it's a tactic of like uh, act like you're, you got Jason yeah. Bourne right where you want him and try to do this, that and the other for him. It doesn't it doesn't work. Um, he gets rubbed out by another Treadstone operative, which felt very real. But like. I don't know, it's, it's one of the other things I found out in my research is like in the original script and the way Doug Lehman shot this movie, the last action scene was, you know, Clive Owen and Matt Damon. And then the, mm-hmm. there was this like this, this Chris Cooper screaming at Matt Damon for a minute, Matt Damon decided not to just to walk away from Treadstone and Treadstone kind of wrapping himself up. And it was a little bit more kind of bleak and melancholy. And the studio screamed bloody murder. It's like, well, we need it's a fucking action movie. We need one last action scene. I don't, I, like I said, this is the one thing that like 20 years on, it's not terrible. And I do fucking love the, oh, the, the, the bullseye he makes as he's fallen five stories and bat. like, that's fucking cool. And just on the yeah. edge of believability with right. the, the guy that Jason Bourne is that it works. But like, I kind of feel like maybe the original ending was better, would be better because like know. that Cooper Damon scene just does not work for me. Yeah. I don't know what the original scene was but 
I mean, this is definitely another one of those iconic action scenes from this movie. I remember, you know, when, when he gets to this building and I see the staircase that people are walking up, I'm like, Oh, that's the staircase where he kicks the guy off and follows his body down. It it, it is the one thing that feels more James Bond than anything else in this movie. And it doesn't quite match up with the rest of what we've seen. Right. But there's also little, so like, I love it when he's got the guns akimbo, but I've never like, you know, he's like disarming these guys with all this crazy crab Maga and uh, Filipino bullshit. And one the way he gets one of the guns is like he's holding it upside down and he's like blood. He's like without like, you know, he's so good. He doesn't even bother adjusting his grip. He's just going at guys. <laughs> yeah. Pistol upside down, one pistol right. They're different calibers. I think one of them's a revolver. And it's just like to me, like, you know, you don't see shit like that. It's just like, yeah. This guy just is so fucking good at what he does and calculating all the odds. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's like, but it's, it's more like the, I don't, the, the movie just should have had none of the treadstone. It should have been a complete mystery. And we all found out when, you know, you probably should have killed Chris Cooper. And then you can just walk away because then you, you, you earn like all the other stuff felt good. Like the one character coming, the, uh, the third treadstone agent coming to kill uh, Cooper Brian Cox testifying in front of the thing. And then Jason tracking down, uh, Frank, uh, she's, you yeah. know, done exactly what he told her to do. Went to someplace hard to find, started a new life and he's tracked her down. I love that the detail of the, his burn bag. She's used as a flower pot in the background. The one thing yeah. she has of this guy. Very cool. Um, it's cool. Yeah. And then Moby fires up and you're ready for the sequel to rip your heart out. And this movie ends on a note where you don't even actually need the sequel. Um, like you can watch this movie as a standalone and it totally works. If, oh, if you sure. just think, well, this is the end of it. You know, they, they live happily ever after. That's, that's totally cool. I think I didn't, I think supremacy and uh, ultimatum are certainly worth watching. If you like this, uh-huh. it's uh, especially, I, I, I like the way supremacy ultimately ends too. And there's like a really good car chase in the second one. It's just not this movie like this like it can't be uh, i think it's like this movie but like less competently executed um i think the guy that took over uh, paul greengrass just like really took the shaky cam into a, a direction to where it's it's more like hiding shortcoming in in the the stunt work and the you know, the, the, the sloppy staging that it is actually trying to increase the visceralness of the action. Um, and it just always feels a little bit like there's a couple times where it kind of, I think one ups itself. Like I said, the, um, uh, uh, Carl urban versus Matt Damon driving duel. Um, but I do. Yeah. I, I like the way the series ends up. Um, and like I said, if, if you like this, they're all the worth watching, but there, this is like, you know, this is the Godfather and the other two are kind of Godfather three. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they just unfortunately this sequel never got a this this series never got a Godfather two unfortunately because Jason Bourne two is just Godfather threes ugh <laughs> yeah and then it's got Fredo just Fredo the the, the fourth one is just Jason yeah did you Bourne ever see the Fredo. Ritter uh I never Bourne did no. series movie I never did either I've heard I've heard that's decent and also the first script for Jason Bourne was going to make use of Renner but they couldn't get him tied down to it because he was doing Marvel shit. Oh yeah, and I'm like, okay. I wondered if they like, um, like if like, I, I wonder like what Jason Bourne looks like if they get Renner and tie those two plots together. They got like uh, uh, Doug back to do the direct, the, the the you know like the return of Doug Lehman to to do the direction, and I, I wonder how that would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because yeah, again like lehman just really knows the way to shoot an action movie especially some weird like next level like you know uh edge of tomorrow yeah but didn't they rename that isn't that not even its name anymore it's called like die another day live rinse repeat eat oh. pray love fuck it's like <laughs> yeah they, 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 it was they like the slogan and then they made it. it the title yeah is that right I don't know. I just like, I've, yeah, but that's like, that's another great movie with a really interesting action hook. Um, really big budget. How did this, did this, like, I, this is kind of your thing. Did, did this make a lot of money? Did it get anything for Oscars or, uh, no, no real, uh, love in the awards. It did win some like choreography awards, some, some smaller stuff from, from other outlets to give awards. Uh, but the Academy did not, honor this in any way with zero nominations uh financially it was a big success they went over budget so they had a budget of 60 million they went about 68 by the, uh, the end of things it's just not you know 20 you know going 20 percent over your budget there give or take that's not nothing it's significant um and that's that's a yeah. fairly big budget for a movie like this i think um probably due to a lot of the stars involved i'm sure brian cox wasn't cheap i'm sure quite a few of these guys matt damon and matt damon is was very a star popular at this then. point yeah, yeah 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 he was bankable for sure uh but they made 214 million in the box oh, office okay. so nice. you know, almost four times what it cost not bad yeah it's funny because i happen to notice like the supremacy made almost 500 billion so these oh. things like i i think what happened is the international budget or the internet like because that's become so important nowadays yeah. like you m- movies typically make two three times more overseas than they do make in America. And I think by the time you had like born ultimatum and certainly Jason Bourne, like, yeah, like people were like, Oh yeah, this is the James, James Bourne movies. We need to see these. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, like I said, I like it. And if if you uh, like any of the Craig bonds, you like John Wick, like the, the seeing the fingerprints of this movie all over the stuff that's come out in the next two decades. Um, pretty, pretty cool pretty cool and it held it held up it, it held up uh, like a champ all oh, this sure. all this stuff because it's all practical yeah there's very little in the way of cg i know they had i don't know how they fucking shot that now that i'm thinking about it how they shot that staircase scene with the the car uh, driving down it no oh. i'm mad they just drove a fucking car down a staircase i'm talking yeah. about matt damon doing you know skydiving down six flights of stairs in the middle like yeah yeah i don't think it was cg gotta be wires gotta be had to be wires because like that that bounce they take at the bottom is fucking sick man that might have just been like i don't know mannequins or stuff but looks good and it's all very very practical which means it's always going to look as good as it does you know and i feel like the last thing i got to do here is shout out uh mr echo from lost the the guy who's playing uh wambosi is the guy who plays him, Adewale Agdoye Agbaje or something is his name. Okay. All right. I thought I saw him in other things. Um, he was big, yeah. big guy in Lost, huh? He was. He was Echo, the guy who gets uh, eaten by the smoke monster. Okay. Well, that was like, must have been after season three when I stopped watching because I did not recognize him from that. I thought it was a lot earlier than that. Like, is it? One Does he, someone get eaten by a smoke monster in the first season? First or second, I thought, but I, oh, it's shit. been a long well, ass time since I've seen Lost. So, same, same, brother. Uh, all right, that's it. That's it for uh, for the 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 Vorn identity. We have identified him positively as Matt Damon. Uh, case closed, everybody. We didn't have to go to Zurich to find out. Uh, we'll be back uh, with another another prestige movie in the weeks to come. 
appreciate you uh, listening. And until the next one, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you later.